August 10th, 2021 To an unknown God Making life work without Jesus Acts chapter 17, verse 1 through 34 When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas, in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city's officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. 
and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole world. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver, or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Acts chapter 17, verse 1 through 34. In today's passage, we will visit Paul as he traveled to Athens during his second missionary tour. Although he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols, his heart was burdened to preach the gospel of Christ there. He went to the synagogue where there were Jews and Greek converts to Judaism, and he also went to the marketplace day by day to reason with the people. He was met by a group of individuals that were identified in Acts chapter 17, verse 18, to be Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. The Epicureans were known for their belief that all life is for the sensual and personal enjoyment of humanity. Epicureans were also known for their rejection of the idea of divine providence. Alternatively, the Stoic philosophers held that virtue is the highest good obtainable by humanity, and that virtue is based solely on knowledge. They believed those who are wise live harmoniously with the divine reason, which they often associated with the concept of fate and providence, that affects nature, and that such enlightened individuals are indifferent to perceive fortune and pain. For you Star Trek fans out there, the Stoics would be the equivalent of the ancient Greek Vulcans who lived their lives worshipping the gods of logic and reasoning. Okay, Stoics and Epicureans, got it. Why are they in the Bible? And how is this even relevant to me? I'm glad you asked. I was thinking the same question and thought, great story, what is this about? Just as in ancient times, we often try and make life work without Jesus. Our enlightened humanity has reached such a great height that we are now able to even trust the power and infallibility of the products of our wisdom and ingenuity more than we rely on our God-given brains. Here's an example. When was the last time you stepped foot into a library to study books made from paper to do research? When was the last time you asked Siri or Google a question about something you did not know because, come on, a library? There's an app for that. We have discovered that everything we do and make is for our own personal enjoyment, especially if it does not cause another person harm. Clearly that would be wrong. This is why we have no wars and no political division, no economic and no social conflict in our world. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. 
I think I went a little too far with that last one. These are fantasies that humans have been striving for since we were dropped into the corridors of time. All we need to do is take a quick journey in our minds through our personal history and through world history to review instances when me-centric thinking has gone terribly wrong. The problem with me-centric thinking is you. I don't live in my own world, and for some reason God still has not given me my own uninhabited, self-contained island. It's probably not too risky to assume that you don't have one either. Would we really want one anyway? The island of loneliness has no appeal to it. We are probably going to have to find a better way to live together on this side of eternity. Thankfully, God has given us a way to do just that. We have the Bible, which is His very word to you and me about the way we can live lives together that are worth living. Lives abundant with unconditional love, unearned grace, unmerited mercy, perfect unity, truth-seeking faith, and never-ending hope. Paul very respectfully revealed to the members of the Areopagus the truth of the gospel of Jesus, a God-centric reality that they had never known before. Some sneered at him, and others said they were interested in hearing more about this another time. However, the Holy Spirit opened some of their hearts to the glory of Jesus, and they believed. Today's Prayer Jesus, I am not searching for the wisdom and knowledge of man. The greatest wisdom man could ever have will never satisfy the need that I have to understand the mysteries of your creation. Reveal your truth to my heart and mind so I can live the abundant life that you died on the cross for me to live. In your matchless name I pray, amen.